Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast with Dane Kennedy. I feel like I'm talking to myself over here. Stel Panayides. You, is your watch the Strava? <laughs> and Steve O'Callaghan. Can I make some valid points here? All right, this is what happened. Welcome to episode 11, Lay of the Land podcast. Episode 11, Legs 11. Just another bingo <laughs> term that got sent out at the door. It wasn't wasn't PC, wasn't politically correct. Bingo. Um, two ducks. <laughs> 22. Do you remember what that was for? What, two ducks? 22. Yeah. Oh, there was another more probably controversial term that they used there. All right, well, uh, let's get on track here. <laughs> um, get back to the podcast. We've got a special guest in the studio today, our good friend David. Welcome, David, to the podcast. Thanks, Dane. Thanks for having me. And Steve and Stel, a collective <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> I know you've been quite nervous all week. You've been on the on the messages going, "Are you sure I'm up for this?" You've been really on top of the of the categories about what we're going to be talking about. You're all over it. Look, I've, look, I've always thought I've had a decent head for radio, so it's actually a, it's actually the start <laughs> in the industry I need, and I'll be able to look back in the ten years' time and look back at this and think, oh, "This is this is a great trampoline to better and bigger things." So. <laughs> well, well, actually, just just before Steve, you, you get in there. Um, we forgot to tell David that this is actually streaming on YouTube as we speak. So um, <laughs> we will be seeing your your uh, your noggin on. Uh, He's got a great noggin. You, you don't have a face for radio, face for radio, Dave. You've got a face for for everyone. It's beautiful. Oh, th- um, thanks, Steve. <laughs> are you looking forward to Are you looking forward to your Hawks playing tonight, Dave? I am. It's been a while. It's been a nearly three month wait and there's a bit of a little bit of unknown due to uh the game taking place in Geelong but other than that yeah it's good to have football back I think it's an essential element of Melbourne society and culture so I think we're all better off with it having uh having returned even if it's without crowds. Dave do you recall the last time that Hawthorne played at Geelong? I think it was 15 years ago if I if I remember right. And we were we were a rabble. We would have been a rabble 15 years ago. So very different, very different club we are now from the mid 2000s. A bit like uh, a bit like Carlton now, would you say? Uh, I think last time we played, we may have drafted all the players that went then went on to to win the four flags, but they were just in the infancy of their career, so um, they were unknowns at the time. I think, if I remember right, yeah. So yeah, obviously Geelong. Peaked a little bit before us, and then we came after them. Yeah, we hate them. We hate them. They hate us. It was a it was a great game last night. Stel, did you see any of the game? And what were your thoughts on round two? I was about to say round one, but round two, footy back. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I did. I saw it. I thought Collingwood got out to a flyer. I was actually going for the Pies last night, so I was happy to see them get out of the gates early, and then. It was a bit of a stinker for the next three quarters, I thought. It's just, uh, no, it was a bit of an arm wrestle. So, no, it was good. What did you reckon, Danos? Look, I just before the call, I, I was saying it was actually not a bad game to watch. I just couldn't believe how low scoring it was. Um, both teams seemed to be able to get it, well, especially Richmond, were able to get it into their forward 50 a lot, but they just couldn't convert. Um, Collingwood have probably started off on fire. Um, just couldn't, they just couldn't keep it going. Look, it was an enjoyable experience. You know, I think it was fitting that it was a draw in the end. They started off the game um, recognizing equality with you know the Black Lives Matter in the, in the center center square. So it was kind of fitting that they ended 
equal. <laughs> yeah, it's great call. Just, I've just got a bit of a gentle question for you, Dane. Do you feel like the Tigers are the most looked after side by the umpires in the <laughs> AFL? Well, we don't. You don't. You don't win two premierships in three years without being looked after. <laughs> yeah, Dave, the Hawks know a bit about that, don't they? Uh, just on that point, Stelio, I think Carlton Moe kicked about nine goals off free kicks in that first game against uh, <laughs> against Richmond, so I'm not sure where you're getting your data from. But I think umpires are actually influenced by crowd decisions. I think last night was one of the better umpired games I'd seen for a long time. Um, yeah. And there's actually no remonstration from any of the players, which is interesting. Um, I think the crowd really influences both ba- player behaviour and umpire behaviour, and I think to a detrimental uh, effect. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure Stell gets his data off the Carlton fan page, um, the, <laughs> the threads that he subscribes to, and he's a common, um, oh, he's a regular commenter on those threads. He's a well-known figure. I think it's Steve from Templestowe. Is that the name you go for? <laughs> go under? Did you go, what did you guys think of the uh, crowd noise? I thought it was fantastic, just like a bit of atmosphere compared to round one. It was just, I think they used a, a bit more of a tighter angle on the camera shots yeah. just so that you can't see the crowds. I thought it was, I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, and even though you knew that there was no crowd there, I think that the frequency or the noise, whatever they were using, just got rid of that awkward type of silence after a goal or mm. throughout the game. Yeah. At halftime, uh, Wayne Carey and Hamish McLaughlin were um, were talking about the sounds of the game and they played some of the sounds of the game. It was actually really good to hear the players talking to each other, you know, which you don't normally hear when you're – even if you're at the game and you're close to it, you still can't hear it because the crowd is so noisy. So I'm sure the, the players are having some benefit from being able to hear their teammates and, and being able to hear um, orders from the bench. So what do you, what do you think about that, Dave? Um, I was a bit puzzled whether that was the genuine audio or that was uh, edited to bleep out all the profanity that would have been going on in the field. <laughs> it sounded, sounded remarkably clean to me, to my ears, <laughs> that's for sure. So um, I did like the uh, fake crowd noise. Um, I think it was done subtly and they'd obviously practised uh, even the camera work. Was yeah. Nice and close and tight. Definitely didn't take that wide span. Um, look at the MCG with all the seats that would have been vacant. So um, I, I think Channel 7 did a lot of practice in the break um, and pulled it off. Yeah, definitely the camera angles didn't show off as much as of the empty seats in the in the crowd and um, they kept it much tighter. I, I love it when they do put the mic on during the game, particularly like, I think the... NBA does it really well with those sorts of sounds of the game to the point where they get access to the coaches sometimes during timeouts and it's fascinating to hear the the insights and hearing what what world-class coaches say to you know multi-million dollar players when it's in the heat of the battle um it's great I, I wish that the AFL would would get that kind of access as well yeah, do you think now that they've actually done that, do you think they've held back a little bit? Do you reckon back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, they just would have unleashed their, like, you know, anger rages and just swearing off their heads at the players and not caring what... Because, yeah, if they know that they're being recorded, they'll probably hold back just a tiny bit. Um, yeah, I think there's an element of that. And then, and then yeah, it's kind of... It's a double-edged sword because... If they know that there's cameras there and there's mics there, are they 
being authentic and saying what they would normally be saying or are they sort of acting for for the microphone yeah, yeah at point. least you get at least you get a bit of insight into what they you know the tactics they're doing and and what they are actually saying on the field because probably a lot of it's legitimate now the last two weeks we've started off with a common theme which was the weather <laughs> so we haven't touched on that yet so i'm just steve are you okay yeah i'm i'm all right i i i'm okay i'm all right okay good because we don't want we don't want this to start feeling like a comedy act no. <laughs> Speaking of comedy, you know what Stell recommended to us a couple of weeks ago? What was the... Well, I can't even remember his name. Who, who was Dave guy? Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. And he's, he's, a, he's a classic. Who, who, Dave, do you have any of your... Do you have a favourite um, comedy act? And, and why, why are they your favourite? Well, tough question, Steve, but um, very simple answer. Uh, Seinfeld and Jerry Seinfeld. So yes. I can't disassociate him from the show. So you've got the stand-up element and you've got the show. Um, and obviously the show had a famous bit of intro where he'd actually take um, a theme from his stand-up show and then it would play out in the show itself. Um, so, yeah, Jerry Seinfeld would be uh, my favourite comedian. And I just I vibe with that sort of humour. It's observational humour. It's, um, it's just funny. It, it's long-lasting. It's not a, it's not tied to a particular time or, or place. It's just... Yeah, it's just got longevity. So, mm. so is observational humour just your everyday type situations that sort of um, might come about in your typical family, friendship, social, workplace system? Yeah, um, that's yeah. how you put it. A little bit hard at the moment because you're not observing as much, right? You're not at work, you're not on the train, you're not in the cafe. Um, but, yeah, it's just those little situations that make you laugh. You know, things around etiquette and hygiene, um, uh, you know, doing the right thing, um, being courteous yeah. that are funny in Seinfeld. Mm. I mean, uh, Seinfeld was developed to be, to represent and show the worst of humanity through the four characters, right? Like, they're terrible human beings. Yeah. And that's what makes it funny. Um, it's a classic. Yeah, I I totally agree with you, Dave. That was going to be Seinfeld was going to be one of my top ones as well. During the week, I watched uh, the new uh, comedy on Netflix, Twenty Three Hours to Kill, and I was in tears. I was, I was laughing so hard. And it's just you're right. It's observational, and you're like, oh, I can relate to that. Mm. Everything relates. You're like, what he says happened in the previous week, and you can relate to it whether you're rich, poor. No matter what your occupation is, um, it, it's common. It's a common person's humour, which I really like, um, and it's got a level of deprecation about it. He's a bit of a, a genius, isn't he? Because just as you guys were talking, I was thinking about another show that I think a lot of us have watched, and it's comedians in cars getting coffee, which mm. is a to- between that show, his stand-up gig, and Seinfeld. They're all such different platforms, but just. He just nails them all. He's he's really good, I think, like you've touched on, Dave, with connecting and tapping into that everyday type humour that, that everyone can connect with. Yeah, um, just to add to that, style, I think I've watched every single Comedian Cars um, Getting Coffee episode and there'd be a handful where he wasn't funnier than the guest. Do you, do you have a favourite out of those episodes? Because I've got a favourite. Oh, jeez. Um, too many to, to... What's yours, Steve? To pinpoint. Mine is oh, 
I've had Kramer. Oh, Kramer. yeah, Michael. <laughs> he has just, Kramer. Yeah, Michael. It's great. It's just great. It's just, yeah. They just have that chemistry yeah. and you just know they've been through so much together. Oh, that's a great episode. Yeah, that's like uh, Jordan and Pippin. Yeah. But in a comedic sense, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, another thing which is so great about Seinfeld is, like you said, Dave, appeals to everyone. It's not crude. It, he doesn't swear. He doesn't make derogatory comments. So it appeals to everyone. Whereas Dave Chappelle, I, I loved that stand-up I watched. It was hilarious, but he pretty much criticised every minority out there. It's not for everyone. And it's funny because, you, you know, you know it's a comedic act. You know he's not really having a dig. He's doing it to get the laughs, and you can re- relate to that. And I don't offend easily, so I was able to enjoy it, but it's not for everyone. Yeah, I think... I think uh... That type of humour and, and that and we're seeing it play out in film and music right now, sometimes you might look back at that in 20 years' time and say, gee, it's not really aligned with the times and I wouldn't want to engage and consume it anymore. Not having seen that act, I'm just saying in general. Yeah. Um, whilst I think Seinfeld will, will be everlasting, I think the only thing that lets us down is like when they pull out a phone or they talk about you know some sort of issues around technology, that's probably where it's dated the most. Um, but other than that, I think it's got tremendous longevity and it's on netflix it's coming to netflix next year i think they've paid a, a mozza for it so they obviously see some value in it oh great that's awesome Stel, do you have a favorite comedian or or show that just just lives with you uh, i think one of my favorite comedy acts was by eddie murphy who did a show <laughs> called delirious yes and uh... that just had me in stitches, I uh, remember when I watched it. Probably in thinking where it sits on the spectrum of um, offensive to pretty neutral, I- I'd say it's it's probably at that midway point. Thanks. Yeah, for those who can't see who is everyone, uh, Dane's just acting <laughs> out some of the of the delirious uh, stand-up act. But um, in thinking about longevity and some of my favourite shows, I think one that's up there with Seinfeld has got to be uh, it. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. I think it just, particularly just that family and friendship dynamic. I think it really taps into some of that humour, and I, I find myself cracking up when I watch when I watch that one. It's a yeah. great show. It's a great show. Dane, any any favourites for you for comedy acts? Um, I would have to say I really enjoy. Delirious, that slipped my mind when I was thinking about yeah, comedy same. acts. I've watched that about four times and every time I think I laugh a little bit harder, um, especially when he's talking about Michael Jackson and also uh, when he has the, the barbecue at his uncle's house or something. Yeah, the Brontosaurus burgers. But um, a good, good Aussie comedian who I really like is Carl Barron. Yeah. Uh, similar to Jerry Seinfeld in that it's, it's observational humour not derogatory or crude um, and appeals to everyone. How about how about you, Steve? You got a favourite that you that you enjoy listening to? I I love I've always been a big uh, fan of Billy Connolly and Jim Owen. Um, mm-hmm. those two I don't know if it's their accents, it makes it even funnier. But um, yeah, those two are definitely my favourites, and I think grow my I think my parents enjoyed them a lot, so I grew up with them listening to them. But one that's probably joined that crew is James Acaster recently. I've seen oh, him a yes. couple of times, yeah, and he's, he's he's got a Netflix special, and yeah, just really witty, great humour that you can relate to, and that 
you know, the punchline might not come till the end of the show that he, he started with. And you're just like, it just, it's just, he just does it so well. That's great. Um, last night, I actually discovered a new show on Netflix, Comedians of the World. Yeah. And it's broken up into segments for different um, countries that the comedians are from. And there's one from Australia, New Zealand, and it's uh, Ursula Carlson. And yeah. I know you've seen Ursula in person, Steve, um, yeah. in Melbourne. She's a classic. She is so funny. She made some comment the other night um, about her relationship, how it's really, it, it, it had taken a turn for the worse because um, she found out that her wife was a lesbian and that really <laughs> turned the household upside down. So I just, I found that hilarious. Um, she's just, she's just very, very funny and her accent makes it even, even better. Yeah, she's great. Do you think the COVID period has uh, reevaluated our relationship with comedy? Do you think it's is it's as important as ever that uh, there are actually genuinely funny people that make us a laugh? I I think from the last week where I've watched quite a bit of stand up, mm. you feel good after watching it. Whereas after some shows, like we've watched Money Heist, and I've you know we've watched other um, probably thriller TV series and, and movies, you don't necessarily feel good after watching those kind of series because they kind of show the worst. They're, you know, they play on fear, whereas stand-up comedy is just, it gets you in a good spot. Mm. Yeah, Dave, you mentioned the relationship with comedy during this COVID period, and I know before entering a relationship, often two people will, will date um, how do you feel the dating landscape has changed from pre-COVID coming into the COVID period? Are you picking on me still because I'm single? Or? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> um, Got it. I think, I think it's obviously been exclusively digital for the last three months. Um, not as someone who's a big data, but um, it's obviously been a, a digital-only experience. So I think, I think people will be itching to get out and meet people in the flesh, in real life, and, and observing that sort of and, and interacting in that way. Um, so I think, I don't know, from Dane might be able to offer some more insight, but I've got a bit of that digital fatigue at the moment, whether it's from work, from my phone, from Zoom. Um, so looking at my screen and, and doing all that, it's not something that's particularly attractive to me right now. So It's a great word. Um, yeah, I can imagine it would be hard um, to sort of create that, attraction using apps or you know digitally um because yeah i mean initial spark and not that i'm a guru in this or anything but i feel like initial spark when you meet someone in person or at a bar or something like that is a lot different to to chatting online um so yeah i don't know i think i think singles that are ready to mingle will really um get back into it uh post-covid i I just want to say, Steve, you've had some, you know, when you met your, your now wife, that was a that was a spark encounter. So you, yeah, you're probably more of a guru than you you lead us to believe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I agree. I I'm really one for that initial connection and spark, and I you don't get that from meeting someone on a dating app because you're judging someone on a photo, um, which we all know that we don't always look what like what we actually look like in photos. And you don't actually get a sense of what that person is, is actually like. You can't read their energy, um, how they interact in a crowd, in a public space. And also via text, we were speaking about this in a conversation that you can't read 
somebody's intentions or um, you can't read body language through a text, so you don't know how the text is being delivered. Uh, so personally, I'd, I'd like to meet someone in person, which during this COVID period hasn't been, I'm gonna, it hasn't been impossible, but it's been very hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to things going back to normal, just to be able to go out there and interact in society again and, and start making some more connections, whether it's dating or just making new friends. Yeah. Um, it's Friday night at the moment. Dave, you you work at in the city at car sales, um, bit of a corporate city sort of setup. I can imagine, actually, I know that you're <laughs> you're a bit of a Friday night drinks type of operator. operator. Uh, <laughs> are, are you are you missing the Friday night drinks? Uh, as I said to somebody this afternoon, Friday is the only day I miss in the office um, because <laughs> it was a logical progression from finishing, you know, that major task on a Friday afternoon, the elation, and then actually, actually capitalising on that elation by going out. <laughs> what time? What time do you knock off on a Friday, Arvo? Like honestly, uh, what time does your brain uh, clock off? No, uh, my when my brain and my computer switch off are very different things. But um, no, I'm not one. I'm not one to um, check out of a Friday afternoon uh, at two o'clock. It's not really how I operate. But um, I, I'm I am when my body does know as it gets closer to five that um, you know, you do put the feelers out earlier in the day and say who, who's available, who's ready. Yeah. Get a get an understanding of the lay of the land about just throw the podcast name in. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. About what venues people might want to go to. You know, is it a, is it a quiet drink? Is it a is it a busier uh, pub? Um, so yeah, that that is one of the main things I miss about the office environment. Um, that little bit of a shit talk, as we used to say, <laughs> industry term, uh, on a Friday evening with your colleagues, and then you know that would probably wrap up at around 7.30 and then you'd bring reinforcements in, which would normally be <laughs> three of you blokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you transition into that night with your friends. So, yeah, I do miss that a bit. That's great. Now, when you said you start putting out the feelers earlier, do you mean as you're walking in on the Friday morning? <laughs> <laughs> there are some people in the office that uh, will, will send you a message um, midweek about what's going on on Friday. Um I used to be worse. I used to be earlier in the week, but now I'm definitely a uh, Friday only operator. I think that comes with actually living very close to work now mm. that I don't have to plan too far ahead. I can go with the flow a little bit more. I don't have to worry about commuting home for an hour. So, yeah. yeah. And, and we all know that one of your favorite um, drinking watering holes is uh, the precinct on a Friday after, uh, evening and then they're moving on down the down Swan Street to Fargo. Um when do you see that you know that people will be out at those venues again, interacting, dancing to the DJ? Um, when do you see, yeah. do you see that happening in the near future, or that's well, I heard a uh, heard a voice grab on the radio as I um, as I was driving to the studio tonight um, that uh, uh, bars, pubs, um, nightclubs in Europe and the US were some of the chief venues responsible for COVID spread. And that's why I'll be some of the last to um, open here. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. I think, I think, I don't think we'll see the sort of uh, crowds we saw at some of these places mm -hmm. before this pandemic, um, post this pandemic. 
I mean, you you guys would know. We some of the bars and pubs we went to um, just before during peak summer. Yeah, you, you were shoulder to shoulder. You couldn't move. Yeah. Um, you were virtually breathing in other people's air and, and you know unwittingly touching people and bumping people and stuff like that. So um, I don't see that sort of uh, congestion in a place for a long time. That's my personal point of view. I, I think, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people's attitudes will change post the COVID period. And I don't know if it's just going to be like flicking a switch or if it'll be a graded kind of thing back to normality, but... What would you say, David, is the thing that you're looking forward to most? I know we've spoken about footy, we've spoken about going out, we've spoken about dating. Is there a typical, is there a part of your life that you're looking forward to getting back to most post-COVID? I'd say uh, easier social opportunities with you guys, with other friends um, that come with being able to go to a pub or a bar. It's just a little bit easier than saying um, than having lots of people come around, especially because there's still restrictions around having lots of people come around, um, and you can just catch up with more people, you know, partners as well. Yeah. Um, there's that element, and I think probably uh, probably the gym as well. Oh, um, just yeah. from a, just from a health standpoint, um, definitely. Uh, the work from home situation means you probably work, or at least in my case, you work even more. Um, you know, through lunch times, and you know, you don't have that long. You don't have any commute, so um, you probably work a little bit more, and you're a little bit less active. So yeah, I'm still paying my gym membership, so I can't wait to go back. <laughs> um, now you moved into your brand new apartment, which you'd been waiting on for about two years. You you mm. you uh, moved in there at the end of last year, um, mm. and we were, we visited the other night. That was great to see it, and you know. You've got such a good setup in there. I just wanted Beautiful. to know what has been the number one perk of living on your own in your own apartment during the COVID period? During the COVID period, probably the peace and quiet comes with the work day. Um, you know, no interruptions, um, you know, eating it when you like, having, uh, you know, a cooked lunch if you want it. Um, I guess one of the biggest perks was is no commute, even though my commute was significantly reduced with the move. Um, it's still you know, like nearly $150, a month that you save mm. not having to take PT, right? So definitely a, a number of finance, there's that financial um, benefit too. Um, but just time, I think, you know, if you want to watch the news at 5.30, you can watch it when, yeah. you, when you couldn't, when you're at work. So a um, little bit of flexibility. Now, I can imagine you'd be whipping up a storm in your apartment. You know, you said you um, cooked lunch. What is a What's a cooked lunch comprised of for you, uh, Dave? We've we've all seen your pantry, so you can't uh, lie here. <laughs> no, uh, definitely. I if you've seen my pantry, you know that I have a couple of ingredients <laughs> in a lot of quantity: uh, pasta, <laughs> <laughs> pasta, rice, and tuna. It was you that took it all. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 I didn't. No, I stole it from, stole it from home, so I blame blame this household uh, parents. But, um, no, I do do. I'm partial to plate or five of, uh, of pasta. Um, a lazy lunch is tuna and rice. Um, but you know, even now I'm trying to up my greens a little bit more. So there's a lot more greens in the fridge. No, that, that's some really good tips on sort of stocking the pantry. I was wondering if you also had some tips on just sort of refreshing the, the gym gear if you don't have a washing machine or <laughs> a dryer. Yeah. Is there a way that we can get the germs out? <laughs> Uh, this Maybe. is a this is a stitch up. But for all those, for all the listeners out there, 
clear the bottom uh, tray of your freezer. <laughs> uh, throw any any slightly smelly or, or sweaty gym gear in there. <laughs> uh, leave it in there for an hour or two. It will come out very cold and frozen, but it will come out fresh. It will come out, I think, <laughs> I hope, bacteria-free. Um, anyway, you'll smell a lot more palatable if you want to put that on and wear it again, you know, to take the rubbish out or get a grab a coffee later in the day or, you know. <laughs> Run an errand, walk your dog. It'll just smell a lot better. Palatable. Can you just remind us what happened the following week after you told us about this little um, trick? Yeah, I had horrific gastro, but <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> they are not. Uh, there's no. There's no link or connection between the two incidents whatsoever. Uh, Absolutely none. But, um, um, yeah. I, I. Just a little trick of the trade. I, I sent you guys a message this week on. It, I found a graphic online. And it was a list of all these band logos. And by the way, before we go into this, do bands do logos anymore? Is that the thing? Because I seem like uh, the, all the bands that I showed in the... Anyway, I'll explain. This <laughs> graphic <laughs> had all these band logos on it and it said you had to pick three, only three, and had all these great bands on it. But all the bands seemed to have great logos that I don't know if it was a thing from the past, but I don't know if recent bands have logos. But anyway, but do they have band have it logos? Uh, they still have logos. It's just that we're less likely to see buy a CD anymore. So we we tend to listen off things off um, Spotify and YouTube. So we probably wouldn't see the logos as much as we would in the past. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you had to pick three. Uh, Stell, what yep. were your three that you chose? Because I mean, there were some good bands in there. Did you have There's any some that ripping uh, bands? What were your three I... and and why? Uh, I think I'm going to cop a bit of flack for my choices, but I'll go ahead and tell you anyway. I've left out a stack of uh, iconic bands, and the three that I chose in no particular order were The Killers, Blink-182, and Bon Jovi. And you don't need to remind me that I have left out (laughs) some of the biggest rock bands in history. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're mine. And, and I think the reasons being is just, they're the bands that I've got. Um, I think the biggest affinity with from my life bands that take me back to significant moments, significant da- um, dance floors. Um, they're, they're just, um, some of the, the songs I used to belt in the car, um, heading out on road trips and yeah, that, that, that was why I chose those three. Yeah. No, nah, three good choices. Mine, my two were Blink-182 and The Killers too, but I changed Bon Jovi for The Beatles. I couldn't go past The Beatles. Ah, Incredible. Nice. But the great thing about the graphic is there's so many choices and a wide range of bands for sort of all demographics. So you can have, you know, I mean, it's it's an infinity of options for anybody. So it, I, I just love the idea of it. Dave, I sent it to you. What were your thoughts uh, I went with Queen, the Rolling Stones, and Guns N' Roses. Um, Queen and Rolling Stones were quickly apparent to me, but uh, the third one I probably wanted an LA rock influence, and it's probably between them and um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But I think Guns N' Roses, all the internal turmoil, you know, the comeback, yeah, the ten-minute songs, November Rain, Estranged, um, Sweet Child of Mine, probably a little bit more emotive for me, but. Um, yeah, Queen, Queen and Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones' longevity and Queen's probably cultural influence, you know, recently immortalised in um, in film as well, um, probably won the day. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, Stel, we've just we've just brushed past these bands, just I like know. they're nothing. <laughs> well, can I uh, just I know. can I just uh, re- let the listeners know some of the other names that are on there that we've all discarded? We've got ACDC, we've got Pearl Jam, Oasis, Metallica, uh, Linkin Park, Coldplay, uh, Led Zeppelin, Nirvana, The Who. You know, you two. There's some yeah. big names on there. If, in saying that, Dane, you need to pick three too. So what are they? I was just kind of see if you guys would uh, let me pass because you know I'm a big music head and I love <laughs> most of those bands would be my top favorite bands. So, look the the re- the ones I chose, not necessarily my favorite bands, but just ones that have a special meaning for me in my life. So I'm gonna start off with the uh, the Offspring. Um, yeah, I during high school, early years of high school, I was a big Offspring fan. You know that uh, what was I can't even remember the name of the. A Conspiracy of One album, that was yep. a big one. I uh, really, really liked that. Uh, the next one, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, in uh, high school, I was in a band and the... Oh, you won the competition. I don't think I won, but we were part of it. And the guitarist <laughs> who started the band, he only wanted to learn Red Hot Chili Peppers songs. And being the lead guitarist, we kind of had to go along with him. So the only songs we did were Red Hot Chili Peppers songs. So I've got a as you said, still an affinity with that band. and The song was By The Way, wasn't it, that you sung yeah, at that competition? Good, good memory. That's going back 14, 15 years. That's a great memory. Well, I so. will give you one guess on what my uh, third one is. I think it's Ramstein, isn't it? <laughs> Ramstein or close? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I, I reckon it's a lock for what it is. But if yeah. you're going by songs that you've sung in a competition, no, no, then no. you've, no, what, you've what omitted it? it. What's it. What's your guess, Stel? It's got to be Bon Jovi. Yeah, hit the nail on the head with that so one. So that's a lock. Bon Jovi yeah. was a lock. Um, big Bon Jovi fan. But as as I said earlier, so many big hits and, you know, I, and I knew, Dave, I knew Rolling Stones was going to be your number one. Well, one of you, one of yours. So good list, though. Good find. And that's a it's a fun activity to do, especially during this COVID-19 period where you're looking for things to entertain you. Yeah. Dane, I'm going to ask you a question without notice here. If you had to pick one of those bands to dedicate the rest of your musical journey to doing a tribute band, which would you pick? Oh, great question. You've got two seconds. <laughs> Give me five. Uh, <laughs> it's going to have to be, yeah, Bon Jovi. has to be Bon Jovi. Um, yeah, nice. That would give me a good excuse to grow the hair and finally commit to growing the hair long. <laughs> you know me, always say I'm going to grow my hair and it, it never eventuates, so that would be a, give me a good reason. Uh, if you grow the hair, it might limit your your acting uh, your acting roles, the, the gigs that you might be able to get as an actor, but it's not going to limit you here because it's your turn this week to, to do the monologue. Yes. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, actually. I've... Um, I'm channeling my inner, well, I won't give it away, but you know. Um, now, unlike you uh, last week, we pretty sure we're, we're aware who's actually speaking in this monologue. Yeah. Well, what's the actual actor's name still? Marlon Brando. Wow. Have you seen the, you, you would have seen The Godfather, David. That was a stupid question. Probably in my top three. Top. Movies of all time. The the only the only thing up to, for debate was whether number one was better than number two, or vice versa. Bit of a, a fun fact: Did you know the number two is the only sequel ever to win a, a best best movie award? 
Yeah, I'm a bit of a fan, so I knew that. <laughs> Shut <laughs> down. It, it is. Uh, it's an incredible feat. I, I just don't think the Irishman is as close as you could get to making a story like that today. Oh. And it had a bit more, oh, a today, bit more drama. Yeah. It was a bit more, bit more fast paced because the audience, you know, today, the, the Godfather comes in a, in a very slow and deliberate. Yes, um, that's right. Way which you don't see in uh, cinematography as much. Oh, I, I haven't seen it, Dave. If if I was to watch it, when's the best time to watch? Is this a sort of Sunday afternoon job? Is this a no. Saturday night? Prepare yourself with a nice bottle of red. Like what? How do you? How would you watch this movie? It's a classic. You need a. You need your favorite bottle of wine next to you. Yeah. Um, because it is. It is long, and it is made in a style that you don't see much on television these days. Um. So so your senses might be a little bit dulled. Yeah, um, to the intricacies of some of the some of the um, fantastic elements of the film, um, but it, it is something to watch on a Saturday night or a Sunday night. You may maybe watch number one on a Saturday night, number two on a Sunday night. Yeah. Um, Monday, you're a better person. Um, <laughs> I, I think I like uh, as long as you don't go to number three, I, I wouldn't advise. That was the 1991. Uh, yeah. They forced third it. part of the trilogy, and that was really they were just. Mailing that in to fulfill a contractual obligation, that sort of felt like it wasn't, it wasn't a great story. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, Danos. So I'm going to help you out a little bit here. Do you want to give a bit of a background to to anything, Dane, or you want to uh, just hit the ground running? Yeah. No, I'll, I'll just give a bit of a, a bit of a uh, rundown. So received the message uh, early on Thursday, yesterday, about my um, monologue to do and I was a bit uh, a bit Speak. taken aback because generally a monologue is only one person speaking but the video that I received from our good mate Stelio over here had an interaction between two people so I was a bit caught off guard but uh, we'll make it work won't we? Yeah I think when actors go to audition though it's still a monologue because they they do both bits so it's still one person talking. Well, this I- is going to be the second episode on monologues. <laughs> <laughs> what what is a monologue? <laughs> well, the thing is about that though is if I'm really going to get into the character of Don Corleone, um, <laughs> I can't be going between two characters. All right. So let's let's uh, let's start here. And uh, unfortunately, I've left the cotton balls uh, in the cupboard. So hopefully, I can get right. The, get the right well, sound. I know we all like a good countdown, but I will kick us off with the word scene. Okay, here we go. Scene. I will give you anything you ask. We've known each other many years, but this is the first time you ever come to me for counsel or for help. I can't remember the last time you invited me to your house for a cup of coffee. <laughs> Even though my wife is godmother to your only child. But let's be frank, you never wanted my friendship and uh, you were afraid to be in my debt. <laughs> I didn't want to get you in any trouble. I understand. You found paradise in America. You had a good trade, you made a good living. The police protected you and there were courts of law. You didn't need a friend like me. But now you come to me and you say, don't call any, give me justice. But you don't ask with respect. You don't offer friendship. You don't even think to call me godfather. Instead, you 
come into my house on the day my daughter is to be married, and you ask me to do murder for money. I ask you for justice. That is not justice. Your daughter is still alive. Let them suffer then, as she suffers. How much shall I pay you? I think that's a wrap. Same. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well uh, done, Dinos. That was great. That was great. That accent was on point. Loved it. I haven't seen the movie, but it's great. I had to turn the sound off midway because I just could hear you laughing. So I had to turn my sound off to be able to get through that. Did the Did you have a cat jump into your lap uh, as you were, as you were speaking, Dane? As per well, I must say I've got a cat at home, and I was it did cross my mind, but I to get her to meow at the right time was going to be an effort, so I left that I left that one. That was a unscripted Fun fact. element. Ah, oh, you beat oh, me to it. You sorry. beat me to it. Sorry, the cat was just on set, and it actually mm. just jumped into his lap. Have you watched no the movie? Really? Yeah, David. Have you watched the movie with the commentary? Uh, I haven't, no. Is oh. it worth watching? Is it Celio? Yeah, if you've got the DVD, you can. I've watched the entire movie just listening to the commentary. It's it's great. Yeah. Is um oh, is BT Bruce and uh, the Duck? Are they <laughs> boy, oh boy, <laughs> Don Corleone special. <laughs> There's something about a commentary version of a TV show or a movie that you, I, just, I, I like the documentary style of it. Like, I don't know. Um, this, it, it's great. Yeah, you got to really like the movie, I suppose, to listen to, to watch the whole thing just with commentary about the movie you're watching. Yeah. Stel, so when you watched that, did you have the movie going, the subtitles of the movie, and the commentary? And the subtitles for the commentary. I, <laughs> so <laughs> that's right. It's a split screen. No, it's um. There's the movie. There's there's a, a, a mellowed out sound from the movie, but clearer is the subtitles to the commentary and the commentary over the movie. So it's a sensory overload. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I might have to give that a go now that I've uh, channeled my inner Donna, uh, Don Colioni. That was great. No, you, you well done. That. Well. Yeah, we'll have to think of another challenge for next week. We've all done our monologue challenge now. so Well, Dave, thanks so much for being a part of uh, episode 11. Been a pleasure. It's been really good to have you on, on the podcast and get your insights into the current lay of the land. Been a pleasure, boys. Uh, anytime you need a, a fourth leg in this uh, podcast, just uh, <laughs> We've only got three legs, so... Carry a pigeon... Um, you can find me on Facebook Messenger, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure you, sure you got my Gmail. You know where I live. Also, you know where my parents are. So. What What is your Instagram handle, by the way? Just Just, just for all the, uh, you know, the beautiful uh, women out there. Or men. David. David. Tosk. T O S C. But don't Don't look me up. You won't find me. I've tried to make myself as hard to find as possible. So. And can I just give a shout out to our uh, listener over in France? Apparently, we've had a <laughs> subscriber out over in France. So, um, thank you. Feel free to hit us up, and we might even get you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for supporting the show. Absolutely. No, thanks again, Dave. And um, yeah, Woody's back, to... boys. Hawthorne Geelong, back. quick, Go quick round the grounds. What's your tip? Um, my tip is Geelong, only because it's in Geelong. I'm going to go Hawthorne. Dave, you'll be you'll be um, tipping Carlton, won't you? 
Uh, Hawks by 89 points. <laughs> just, just to remind them of the 89 grand final. I'm going to go I with like Geelong. That. It's dangerous 250, and he's going to come out with an absolute ripper. Uh, enjoy your weekend, boys, and we'll see you on episode 12 of the Lay of the Land podcast. Catch you then. See you, guys.